Good afternoon, folks. It's Rick Sherwood, and I'm here today to explain a unique process that we use. Um, and it's a it's been a process that's been a couple years in the making, and and I'm gonna actually be honest with you, it's been many more years than that in the making. Uh, in 1987, a lady by the name of Francine Shapiro, uh, who's a, a PhD psychologist in the U.S., she was walking through a park, and she had had her own traumatic experiences, her own traumatic uh, events that had happened in her own life that had uh, created what is referred to as this fixed and dilated appearance. And so when you're talking to people who have been traumatized or people who um, are extremely anxious, people who have this pattern of doing, they end up truly having this almost like deer in the headlights look, right? They'll start talking about the traumatic experience. They'll start thinking about it. And so what Francine found is she was walking through a, a wooded area through a parkland and I've never met the lady, so I, I don't know the exact details. And, and so I'm just recounting what I've read and, and what I understand from doing EMDR courses myself. And what she found was from the wind blowing, uh, the leaves and, and the flowers and the things around, she was having a hard time concentrating on this traumatic event. So EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing Therapy. And so the idea is to get the eyes moving. And if you get the eyes moving while they're trying to, while uh, somebody who's traumatized is, is trying to think about a ther uh, their traumatic events, you're going to desensitize in that deer in the headlights feeling. And you're going to reprocess that so that the brain is actually thinking about things in a, in a different way. And so it is a fantastic therapy that has been uh, studied a lot. And I've seen people and I've talked to therapists who uh, use it for trauma, use it for all kinds of uh, different modalities. The one problem that I have with EMDR and what I have with all therapies is what happens when the person walks out of the office? There's all kinds of apps that you can, you can go to for, for sound or for, for light or for background noise or white noise. But what happens when the person walks out of the office? So I was an old guy when I went to school. I was in my uh, late 30s when I went back to school. So some people are going to go, that's not very old. Well, if you're sitting in a classroom in university, you will quickly feel old when you're 40. And so I graduated with my BA from University of Waterloo and then my Bachelor of Social Work and my Master's in Social Work from the University of Windsor. And in the process of, of doing my BA, one of the cool things that I did is I did a research project on students. And I did a research project on students based on do they basically know as much as the information being taught as the person at the front of the classroom. The reason why I was interested in this is because I would sit and I would listen to the professor's talk. I'm, I'm older. Some of them, I was older than some of the profs. 
And so I would listen to them talk, um, you know, because I had a, a normal adult life like everybody else. I had kids just like they did. And then on the other side, I would listen to students talk. And it always amazed me um, the things that would go through people's minds and sort of this echo that, that happens, right, within their own minds and this process of validation. And the self-validation, self-fulfilling prophecy, all of these are ideas that I had in my own mind before I went to school. And then after getting the, the really cool, good education that I have, I then started into private practice. And as I started into private practice, what I found was a lot of people, I, again, when you walk out of the office, then what? The, the echo returns. The ideas return. And so when I say the echo, it's, it's like it's an echo in my mind. So as with lots of people who return to school to, to do this type of work uh, later on in life, they're doing it out of a sense, a great sense of wanting to either give back because they've received help, which is, was me. Uh, I had received uh, psychotherapy for various things that had gone on in my life. And I was like, I have this opportunity to go to school. I want to help people. And I've never looked back on that, and I've never looked back and went, wow, that was a bad decision. I love what I do. But it's really disheartening when you end up having people who, again, they walk out of the office and they have nothing other than their memory. And their memory will start playing tricks on them. Cool thing, anything, anybody that has anything to do with legal terms, contemporaneous means that any notes that are being done needs to be done within a 24-hour period in Ontario, anyhow, uh, because our memories fade. And so, again, learning about that, I was like, wow. And then, again, me being an inquisitive guy, that's why I did the research project that I did when I was doing my BA, because I am a really quiz inquisitive guy, and I always want to be learning, and I always want to be pushing me, my education, my craft, everything forward for me to be offering the best of what it is that I can do. So a few years ago, I got thinking about meditations and I got thinking about all the different types and starting to do peer-reviewed journal article searches and all kinds of academic research into what is a good product for me to direct my patients, my, my clients, the people I see, friends, family, anybody to, to stop that reverberation, that echo, those negative thoughts, those negative ideas. Somebody's going to say, Wow. Rick, why? What's what's your connection with this? Well, when I was 18, uh, you may have heard this in, an, in another podcast if you listen to it, but regardless, when I was 18, I had my very first ambulance ride. And it was an ambulance ride from St. Mary's, Ontario to London, Ontario for a bleeding ulcer. Because at that time in my life, I had a theory. If I wasn't worrying about something, then I was missing what I needed to be worried about because something was going to come and it was going to bite me in the arse really hard and it wasn't going to be good. And I was worrying. Worried so much, I created a peptic ulcer, duodenal um, uh, ulcer in my stomach, and that created this ambulance ride because I couldn't get the bleeding to stop. So anybody such as myself who... And a lot of researchers, a lot of people who do jobs like this, lots of lawyers, there's lots of people who have obsessive tendencies, and I am no different. 
And so I will start to think, well, how do I stop the thought process? How do I redo this thought process? If we know anything about psychotherapy and about how the human mind works, it takes about two years for a new habit to be fully developed. So if you have somebody who doesn't... Any addiction. I was just trying to think of, of, of a specific, but I'm just going to leave it with any addictive, addictive personality. If you have somebody with an addictive personality and you want to change the addiction from something that's dangerous, something that's not good for them, like cocaine or, or LSD or ecstasy, whatever the addictive chemical is, and if you want to change it from that to something more innocuous, something that is not going to have that negative impact, it takes about two full years. It takes about 30 consecutive days of, of changing the habit. So you want to take somebody who, I'm going to take cigarettes as, as an example. So all of the, a lot of smoking is habitual. So it's just a habit. And so you go out to the smoking shack, right? You, you drive down the road, you light up a cigarette. After dinner, you have a cigarette. It, it's the habits. And so to break those habits, it takes about 30 days. And so knowing all of these things and knowing and watching the struggle, people with severe anxiety disorders, where they are just really dysregulated and they are really anxious. People who have a, a real hard time focusing on positive ideas. All of these people walk out of the office, they get good therapy from me or from, from other colleagues or from people around the world, and they walk out, and the problem is nothing specific to them go with, goes with them. So I started to try to find a way to give them a unique tool, which I call ECST, Echo Cognitive Supplemental Therapy. And it is a supplemental. It is not meant to be therapy. What it's meant to do is it's meant to be the drug. And again, not to replace a drug, but it's meant to be kind of like a drug that has this ability to be tapped into at whenever the person, whenever the client, whenever the patient needs it, they can tap into it and they can turn it on. They can listen to it. And so it is my voice at, th at this moment. Um, I've started to teach this to some other therapists, but currently this is available here and here alone. So it's available through you know, my group, RS Therapy Group, uh, and it's, it's available, again, in, in a very, very small, limited window. The cool thing is I do have clients from across Canada, and I have provided this to clients across Canada. So I take the, the therapy, what we're talking about, and I turn it into a directed meditation. And the reason why I was talking about uh, EMDR is at times we use a regulatory tone. It sounds very much anybody who's ever learned to play piano or guitar, and they'll have that metronome playing in the background, right, to give you the rhythm. And so what we will sometimes do is play that in the background as well. But it, it is based 100% on who the per person is, where they are in their therapy and where they are in their evolution. What we found is by directing a meditation specifically to them, where we are speaking to them, 
we are bringing examples that they've brought to therapy back into these directed meditations. And so what they have this ability to do is to turn this on anytime. And so that echo that's in their head, that negativity that wants to constantly creep in, now they have a tool to use between therapy. And so what it has done is shortened the length of therapy that people are, are, are requiring. And what it's also done is it's made it so that people can take this to work. They can take it. And so we will also create these specific for what your need is. One guy needed a, a wind out, stressful job, stressful environment, not overly pleased with, with what he's doing, but the lifestyle that he wants requires him to have this paycheck. This paycheck gives him the lifestyle. So now he needs a tool to work with his wind down. So when he's he's driving home, he's got about, about a half an hour, 40 minute drive home. So we created a, a directed meditation for him. And so using the the echo, and, and, and again, it is this echo in our mind, the negative thoughts, the negative talk, the negative things that come up, that, that pattern of thinking. And so taking the, the echo and, and the cognitive approach, right? What we're trying to do is we're trying to eliminate eventually, but initially just mi minimize and then slowly eliminate and replace that echo of the negative thoughts with the positive. But the positivity is directed at them. And we bring directly out of therapy things that they have shared with us, things that, that they have told us. And we bring music, we bring all kinds of different things to these meditations, specifically geared at that person. And so this echocognitive supplemental therapy, again, we've been at this for a couple of years, working away at it. And so this is the first time now that we're actually truly putting it out there that, you know, for people, they want to learn more about it. They want to tap in, they want to contact, they want to do some stuff. What we're doing is we're taking and we're taking a positive message. And what we're doing is we're taking the positive message from their therapy, put it into a recording, put it into a recording with other messages that are good for them to move forward with. And again, people with anxiety, people with PTSD, people with traumatic backgrounds, people with ideas of repetition of not being good enough. Again, what we're doing is we're putting this out there now as a product and we sit down. It doesn't take any time away from our clients. What we do is we just simply sit and we create this. We send it off to them as an MP3 or if we can put down a flash drive for them, we can do however it is that, that they need this. And then this is a new supplement that goes along with their therapy. And again, we've used this with people who have addictions. We've used this with people who have various traumas that they've lived through. And the areas where we find this works the best right now, and we continue to refine this, we continue to do things, are the people who are, who are unregulated and the people who need to tap into a, a, a a device like this, a message like this, because it is a message to them. It is their name. It is a familiar voice. We are talking to them. We are helping them to remind them of what we've talked about in therapy and what we need to move forward with. 
And so I, I got to say, uh, I never thought I, I would come up with or be part of this, but uh, thanks to, um, to, you know, clients who, you know, I had a lot of really candid conversations with about, I, I, I have this idea, can we try it? Are you willing to be a bit of a guinea pig? And, and it's simply listening to a recording. And it's no di- different than listening to a meditation, other than the fact that this meditation is specifically built for them, the music they want, the message that speaks to them. And so Rebecca, I, I can't thank her enough for her, her excellence of what she brings to the table in sound recording. And so th- there are some shortcomings to this. Um, we've spent a ton of money on equipment, uh, sound recording equipment. Um, again, for, for a lot of therapists, it may be outside of their wheelhouse for technology that, that they're interested in going. But what, what, we're, what we are finding is, again, clients, clients from across Canada um, are benefiting from this. And so uh, I hope that you will take some time to maybe contact us. If you are suffering with anxiety, you're suffering with you know, these reoccurring debilitating thoughts that, that, quite frankly, are driving you nuts. And let's see if we can uh, make you a, your own recording and see how you can benefit from ECST, otherwise known as echocognitive supplemental therapy. And so that's ECST. And uh, thanks again for listening. If you have any questions, please, by all means, uh, don't hesitate to reach out. And like I said, what we're doing is we're just trying our best to be there for our clients in every way we can. And uh, the success that we're seeing with this, uh, really, truly wanted to make sure that this is available to other people. And so if you know somebody, have them listen to this. If you think you can benefit, please contact us. Uh, you can contact us at RS Therapy Group. You can contact us at uh, 519-301-1702. You can contact us by email. We're Black Sheep Rebranded on podcasts. Uh, Rick Sherwood, you should hopefully be able to find us fairly easily. And like I said, um, we're having good luck with this. And, and I, uh, I would like to really see if this can, can help you out as well. So thanks again for listening. Uh, have yourself a wonderful day. And again, this is Rick Sherwood. And for Rebecca and myself and, and for everyone else behind the scenes here that, that makes the, these businesses work for us, uh, again, thank you to all of them. And thank you to listening. Thanks. Bye-bye. If you would like to know more about ECST, you can contact Rick at rstherapygroup.com, Rebecca at rstherapygroup.com, on Facebook at Black Sheep Rebranded, the website blacksheeprebranded.ca, or call 519-301-1702. Again, that's Rick at rstherapygroup.com, Rebecca at rstherapygroup.com. Black Sheep Rebranded on Facebook, blacksheeprebranded.ca, or 519-301-1702. Thank you and look forward to hearing from you soon.